Hey, I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person, and I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, but as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If there's any way that, that we can pray for you, if you want to contact us, that connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring in offering, a worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the word as we look at it together. So I thought I'd uh, share a couple things with you before I get into this that really, uh, one of them just brought me a lot of joy. So I'm in a meeting on Tuesday, all the pastors and directors and managers and uh, you know administrative assistants, we all gather together. And uh, over the last year, okay, the last year here at Big Valley Grace, over 100 people have become members of our church. Over 100. Have become. I work here, and when I heard that, I was just filled with joy that so many people have said, hey, I'd like for this to be my home church. Are there any of those folks in the last year you've become a part of our, our church family? Anybody right down here, over there? Yeah, man, let's give it up for these folks. Yeah. Man, I'm going to tell you something. If, um, if I could join this church again, I would. Uh, this is really a, a unique place of uh, people from all different backgrounds. We come from all different parts of our city, maybe our county. And uh, we all have one thing in common. We love Jesus Christ. And I'm just so thankful for those of you that have become a, a part of our, our family. Thank you very, very much. Also, I uh, just want to say thank you to all of those who went to uh, Kenya. Uh, we had a group that went to the DR, the Dominican Republic. Um, man, to give up that kind of time and energy and effort and money and all that kind of stuff, uh, thank you. Uh, I've never been there, but every time I put my offering in that little basket, I, I had a piece of that, and so did you. you. You may not have gone there, but because we all come together as a church family and we worship the Lord through our giving, all of that action that happened there, which was incredible, we all had a, a piece of. And then on my way here uh, tonight, I got a phone call that was just really bummed me out, and I want you to pray about this. We have a really great couple in our church, the Heinrichs. Uh, Eric and Teresa Heinrich and their kids. I, I want you to know something's like one of the greatest families like, like ever, okay? Just great people. Uh, their daughters, you'll notice them serving here all the time. They might be out in the cafe or whatever, but uh, Felicity, who's a senior in high school, was bitten by a rattlesnake twice today. And it was a long, long journey to get her out of the um, forest, wherever they were up camping or whatever they were doing. I, I don't know. 
And so they had to meta-flight her to um, Madeira Children's Hospital. And this is some pretty serious stuff. And so I would ask you to pray for Felicity Heinrich, whether you know her or not. She's a part of our church family. The family's a part of our church family, and I know that they would appreciate uh, your, your prayers at, at, at this time. Okay, so I want to start uh, my message in a really strange place, and I don't know whether I'm going to be able to make it make sense when I get to the text, and if you want to, you know, turn to the Gospel of Mark, you can do that. Uh, but for whatever reason, I was kind of led down this path as I was praying and thinking about this over the last couple of weeks. I, <clears throat> I want to start by, by looking at um, some people in the Bible that were, that were really losers. They were broken people that God used in some incredible ways. And um, obviously, when you think about a list like this, you gotta start with Adam and Eve, right? I mean, here you have the first two human beings on the planet. And um, how he messed up one, one thought, don't eat from that tree. I mean, we, we got this whole thing. He had one thought. God literally said, hey, don't, don't, eat, don't eat from that one. And he couldn't pull it off. And the reason why we got a mess on our hands today is because of Adam and Eve. And someday we'll see them in glory, I have no doubt. I thought of Jonah, the Lord's prophet. Here was a, a guy that God said, hey, I want you to go over to that city over there, Nineveh. And I want you to tell the people in that city about me. And basically, Jonah, you know, I don't know, flipped God the bird. Said, I ain't doing it. And he literally, you know, skedaddled out of town the opposite direction. And God got his attention. And he ends up doing the thing. But you know what? He, he, he never wanted to do it. He never comes around in the story. He never went, oh, okay, I repent, you know, I'll do it. No, the story ends, and he did what he, God told him to do, but he never does it with like a, a grateful heart or a submissive heart. And yet God used him, and I have no doubt we're going to see him in glory someday. I thought about Samson, the strongest man. He, he, he was like Jesus and John the Baptist in that he was one of the few people in scripture where an angel showed up and said, hey, you're gonna have a son. And so Samson's mother knew in advance. And he was this incredible man with incredible strength that God used in some incredible ways, but wow, he had a problem with, um, with the ladies. And I know someday we're gonna see him in glory. I know that. And then I thought about Noah, the godly man in a sinful world. Man, we all know Noah built the ark. What an incredible man he was and stories in the Bible about him. But the last chapter of his life ends with him drunk and naked in a tent. It really... If some human would have wrote this book, they would not have ended his life that way. 
And there's no doubt we will see him in glory. And I, th I thought of Moses, the, the lawgiver. I mean, we all know Moses. You find an Orthodox Jew and you ask him, who is the greatest Jew that has ever lived? And they will say, it's Moses, without a doubt. Moses was the, the, the greatest Jewish person ever. And man, did God use him? Comes down the, you know, the mountain with the Ten Commandments, you know. I mean, what an incredible guy. God used him. And yet, some of you don't know it. He, he, he was a murderer. He killed somebody. I thought about Gideon, the man who needed a sign. God told him to do something, and instead of just doing it, he uh, thought, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put a fleece outside the door. If that fleece has a bunch of, you know, dew on it, then I'll know it's of the Lord. And, you know, he wakes up, and the fleece has all this dew on it, and he goes, well, well, hold on, that was probably just the weather pattern. He put the fleece back out there again, and, you know, okay, this time, I don't want there to be any dew on it. And there was no dew on it. When I hear a Christian say, yeah, I put a fleece out, what that tells me is they have a lack of faith. A fleece is not a good thing. But I hear Christians talking about it all the time. Yeah, I put the fleece out and God, you know. But God used Gideon. And then you got King David, right? The man after God's own heart. That's what the Bible says about him. I think there's more written about King David in the scriptures than just about anybody else. This incredible man, and yet most of you know the story, right? He was an adulterer, he's up on his roof when kings were supposed to be out at war, he wasn't. He's home with idle hands, looks over, sees Bathsheba, wasn't even his wife, and was married to another guy by the name of Uriah, and next thing you know, they're having sex together, and there's a baby on the way, and man, the next thing you know, man, David just getting deeper and deeper in sin and eventually has her husband killed, Uriah. And yet God used him in some unbelievable ways. Solomon, the wisest king, he, um, he took after his daddy. His daddy liked women. And instead of honoring the Lord and his word and Having one wife, Solomon ends up with about 700 wives and 300 concubines. I, I, don't, I don't even want to try to figure that one. I don't even know how. Wow. Woo. Man, that, that had to be a mess. I mean, uh, get to the New Testament, you got Peter, the church leader. Huh. Here's this incredible guy, man. And you read through the Gospels, and the guy was so goofed up. Just goofed up. And maybe the biggest goof up was he denied knowing Jesus. This big fisherman, you imagine? You know, he looks like one of those guys on the deadliest catch, you know? <laughs> and a little tiny, you know, servant girl says, hey, you're one of his followers, right? No, not me. Never heard of the guy, you know? John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, credible man, 
incredible things he accomplished for the gospel's sake, but we find him, you know, can I sit on your left or your right? I mean, this guy was all goofed up. It was unbelievable. Paul, the spreader of the gospel. Man, the guy was a, a murderer. He was a persecutor of the church. And, and yet, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And, and it's amazing how God has used these broken people to accomplish incredible things. These broken people were used by God to help us all, you know, mature into the men and women we are, because many of them wrote the scriptures. I heard the story, it's a, it's a true story about this man, his name is Levi Lusco, and his daughter, her name was Clover, and they were out one day on the beach and they were collecting up shells. And Levi was finding all the, the intact shells and Clover was picking up all of these, you know, broken shells. And dad looks over at his daughter and says, you know, honey, let, let, let's spend our time finding all the, the, the shells that are intact, not the, not the broken ones. And she turned to her father and said, daddy, the broken ones are beautiful too. And when I heard that story, I thought to myself, I, I think God sees things the same way. Thank the Lord. That when his eyes go over an auditorium like this, filled up with people like us, guess what? I think he likes broken people. He likes broken things. Because we're all broken. There's only one person that you find between these two leather-bound covers who wasn't broken, and that was Jesus. He was perfect. And so if, maybe if you get nothing else out of this, you know, time or my message, it would be this. I, I don't care what you've done. I don't care what yesterday looked like or last week looked like or last month or last year. I, I, I don't know and I don't care. I don't care how broken you are. I understand some people are more broken than others. I, I get that. But I don't care how broken you are. God can use you. You can walk out of this place tonight broken. And yet in the midst of your brokenness, God can, can use you. Maybe in Kenya, maybe in the band, maybe at a door greeting people, maybe mentoring a, a, a teenager, maybe holding a baby, maybe a, 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 you know, making a, a latte for people to enjoy fellowship at a greater level. Maybe it's sitting behind a, a camera. Maybe it's turning a knob. I don't know what it is. But don't ever buy the lie that, you know, somehow I'm too broken. Well, I just rattled through a bunch of guys that were really broken. I mean, you want to talk about a, a motley crew, just pick somebody in here. As I said, some are more broken than others. And, and maybe the, 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 the word from the Lord you need to hear was what Paul said in Philippians chapter three. 
He said, brothers and sisters, I, I know that I still have a long way to go. That might be you. I know it is for me. I got a long <coughs> way to go. But there's one thing I do. I forget about what is in the past and try as hard as I can to reach the goal before me. And that goal is Christ's likeness. Maybe by the end of tonight, you'll spend some time on your knees saying, God, I gotta let go of some of that junk in my past that I keep thinking about, I keep dwelling on, and it keeps sucking the life out of me, it keeps sucking the juice out of me, it keeps me from you know, being used by you because I just think I'm so broken. Maybe that would be a great thing for you. <clears throat> Let me give you one more guy who blew it and yet God used him in some really great ways. And that's Mark, the writer of our gospel. The writer of, you know, we're all going through the, 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 the book of Mark together. Hopefully you've been keeping up with the reading. I've gotten some emails and some texts from some of you and it's really great, isn't it? I'm glad our pastor encourages us to read through the scriptures and you break it down like this over the eight weeks, it's not that much, but man, we're all reading Mark. And I want you to know, he's got a really crummy past. Some of you know it, most of you probably don't. Mark was um, a cousin of a guy by the name of Barnabas. Some of you know the name Barnabas. Barnabas and a guy named Paul, you all heard of him, they were like really close friends. And one day, Paul and Barnabas decided to go out on a missionary journey. They were gonna go plant churches. They were gonna go start churches. And so, you know, they packed up their bags and threw some stuff, you know, in the suitcase and off they went. And they took Mark. They took the writer of this gospel with them. And somewhere along the way, um, Mark abandons them, he leaves them. Most scholars believe he just got scared. You know, thinking about you guys in, in Kenya, you know, there you all are and maybe something happens and somebody goes, I'm out of here, this is too scary. I like being in the safety of, you know, my home and my, my husband or my, you know, city or whatever. He abandoned, he left. Well, there comes a moment when Barnabas and Mark or Barnabas and Paul decided to go on a second missionary journey. Hey, let's go back and let's encourage those new churches we planted. And Barnabas said, man, what a great idea. I'll go get Mark and we'll be on our way. And Paul went, whoa, you're not bringing Mark. He abandoned us on the last trip. He got scared, you know, put his tail between his legs and ran home. I don't want to take that guy again. And I could imagine the conversation between these two great men. I'm sure Barnum said, ah, oh, come on. Come on, Paul. He blew it. Oh, yeah, he's your cousin. That's the only reason why you want to take it, the kid. I don't want to deal with his, you know, being scared. I want some men on this journey. I don't want scaredy cats. And the Bible says that, such, uh, that this disagreement was so, um, um, it, it, it was heated to the degree 
that as far as we know, they never went on another missionary journey again. Now, they could have reconciled, but a sharp disagreement arose between Barnabas and Paul over this kid, Mark. Now, obviously, there comes a moment when Paul recognizes, hey, you know, Mark has matured. Mark has gotten older. Mark has got more of a backbone. He's got more of a spine. And so Paul calls for Mark and says, man, Mark, Mark, bring Mark. Mark, and this is later on. So they do reconcile. There's no doubt about it. My point is, is this. The guy who wrote this gospel was a broken person. He had made, you know, maybe the, if there is such a thing as the greatest Christian on the planet, upset. That was Paul. Paul wouldn't want anything to do with this guy. And so as you read through this, just be reminded, you're reading something that God allowed him to write. Now, we're pretty sure Peter was the one who told Mark about the life of Jesus because Mark wasn't an eyewitness to it. And so we're pretty sure that, you know, Peter and Mark would have sat down and Peter, who was an eyewitness to all these things, was sharing with Mark, you know, all of these things and Mark is recording them. And so if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 10, I wanna, I wanna end... I want to begin real, real quick here in Mark 10. Look at verse 44. Jesus says, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone. <clears throat> and he's saying this, and you know, the disciples were arguing over who's going to be the greatest. The, the disciples, hey, again, I want to sit on your left. I want to sit on your right when you get to glory. There's this whole, these disciples were just, they were broken, they were just broken, arguing over who's going to be the greatest, and I want to be the greatest. I want this title. I want. I mean, this was a group of goofed-up people. And so Jesus says, "Whoever wants to be a leader goes to this thing." And he says in verse forty-five, "For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life a ransom for many." That lays the foundation for what's now going to happen next. They're all complaining about who's going to be the greatest, who gets to sit where, what, who's got what title, all those kinds of things. And he says, hey, look, you want to be great in my kingdom, you got to be a servant of all, of everyone. Verse 46, then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. And by the way, it's very rare in the Gospels that a name is given of somebody who received a miracle. There were a couple. But we're actually given a name here. Guy's name is Bartimaeus. He was sitting beside the road, and that kind of sets up the picture, right? So you can imagine a dusty road and there's a blind beggar over there and they didn't have all of the social services that we have today and so the chances are pretty good that you know he was disheveled, his hair was probably long and crazy, he was probably homeless, probably, I don't know, maybe not, but I'm sure his clothes were a mess, he stunk, you could just, just picture the scene. 
blind guy sitting on the road. It was horrible, like, to have any kind of, you know, you know, you know bummer in your life. Some physical ailment. Being blind would have probably been maybe one of the worst. Verse 47 says, when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth, not just any Jesus, there's a lot of guys out there named Jesus. There may be a guy in here named Jesus. A lot of people out there named Jesus. I think we have three or four members, I think, whose name is Jesus. Not a one of them will save you. Hey, by, oh, by the way, a lot of um, other religions have Jesuses. But you better make sure you got the right one. Because you can put your faith in a Jesus and it's not the, the Jesus of Nazareth. I think that's important. I think Mark wants us to understand this wasn't just any Jesus. This was the Jesus from Nazareth. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So now you got this guy sitting over here and here comes this whole big crowd. I'm sure maybe the dust was coming up and maybe he smelled the dust and somebody ran by and he said, hey, what, what's going on out there? I, I, I can smell the dust or I feel a rumble on the ground. There, there's a big, what's going on? Oh man, Jesus of Nazareth is coming. He, he, knows this, he knows this guy. He's heard things about this Jesus of Nazareth. He's heard. And so now he's up. Now he's yelling. Verse 48, be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him. Oh, maybe it was Peter. Maybe Peter said, hey, be quiet. Do you know who this is? This is an important guy. Maybe it was John. Maybe it was Matthew. You're a blind beggar. He's an important guy with important things to do. He doesn't have time for someone like you. And frankly, I don't either. So just be quiet. Wow. But Bartimaeus only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come. He's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Hmm. I want to see. My eyes don't work. And Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. Now, there's a lot of things I could bring out in this story, a lot. And uh, there is another story in Matthew that I taught on, uh, I don't know, a year or so ago. Same, same story, but there were two guys. I happen to think there were two different stories, but the same thing kind of happened in both of them. There were two guys in the other story. There's one guy here and we were given a name here. But in either case, there are a couple of lessons I just want to bring out just really quickly in the few moments I have, okay? 
And the first lesson is this. When life gets hard, talking with Jesus is always a good thing. Verse 47, when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. See, one of the things we learn about Bartimaeus is that he was smart enough to call out for Jesus. He somehow knew that Jesus was the key to solving his problem. And he also is the key to solving your problem and mine. And I hope that you learn this lesson tonight from him. Jesus said in John chapter 16, here on earth you will have trials and sorrows, right? This side of heaven, life is filled with bummers and 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 trials, and, and kidney punches, and man, life is, you know, the Heinrichs, you know, went out on a nice camping trip, and we're having a great time, and bam, out of nowhere, you know, a rattlesnake interrupted their moment. Life may be good for you right now, I don't know, you get out to your car, and the engine's burned out, or the tire's flat, or you get home, and I don't know, the washing machine's overran. Life is just filled with all kinds of bummers and sorrows and trials. And Jesus said, you know, it's just the standard equipment of life. Because of Adam's sin in the Garden of Eden, life is just full of all these trials we go through. And when life gets hard, talking to Jesus, having a conversation with Jesus or calling out to Jesus is like a really good thing to do. Maybe the best thing you could do. And we learned that from this blind guy who was probably uneducated. They have braille back then, you know. Paul gives us this advice in Philippians Four, he says, hey, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. When, when something happens in your life, let this first lesson, you know, guide you. Think to yourself, I, I need to be like that blind guy in, in the Gospel of Mark, whatever his name was, that weird name, Bartimaeus. Yeah, I need to be like Bartimaeus. I need to cry out to, to Jesus. That's what I need to do. And the reason why you want to cry out to him is because he's got all the juice. He's all, he's all powerful. <laughs> you can call out to, I don't know, your spouse. And that's a good thing, nothing wrong with that. They're not all powerful. You can call out to your therapist, and that's not, probably not a bad thing to do, but they're not all powerful. You can call one of us pastors, and that's, that's not a bad thing to do, but we're not all powerful. But when you call out to Jesus, I want you to know something. Now you're talking to the one with, with the juice. You're talking to the one who can, who can you know, take care of some stuff. Peter said, in 1 Peter chapter five, cast all your anxiety on him, talking about Jesus, why? Because he, he cares for you. He cares. Uh, lesson, number, uh, lesson number two. 
It won't always be easy to talk to Jesus. I just want, to, just want you to understand this. It's not always easy. Verse 47, when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, hey, Jesus, over here, you know, have mercy on me. You know, and the crowd starts going, be quiet. I don't know, maybe they ran up into his face. Be quiet. This is a great lesson for us all to learn. It's not always easy to have a conversation with Jesus. There are forces at work that want to crawl up into your lap and say, be quiet. Call your therapist. Call your pastor. Call your girlfriend. Call them. Last thing these forces, powers, demons want you to do is call out to Jesus. Could be your parents. Could be a spouse that wants to keep you from getting to Jesus. It could be one of your siblings. It could be an aunt or an uncle. Certainly there are teachers out there, professors out there that don't want you to talk to Jesus. In fact, they'll tell you he doesn't even exist. He'll tell you you're simply believing in a fantasy. So quit calling out to him. That's basically what they're saying. Your flesh, your old nature, your Adamic nature doesn't want you to talk with Jesus. In Galatians chapter five, it says the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. You ever, ever felt that? You got your old nature, your flesh. This is the headquarters of sin. That's, that, that's why this doesn't get to go to heaven. This just gets in a pine box. That's all that happens to this. You gotta get a new body. You get a new one, because this one's all goofed up with sin. Your old nature, your Adamic nature is the big theological word. And it wants nothing to do with this. It, the last thing your flesh wants you to do is cry out to Jesus. And there's a war that goes on. Obviously, the Holy Spirit in you wants you to cry out to Jesus. Obviously, the Holy Spirit in you wants you to, you know, do what the Bible says. But you, you, got, a, you got an enemy, man, that you carry around with you all the time. Here's the deal. It's a universal spiritual truth that Whenever you call out to the Lord, there's gonna be some action. There are stories in the scripture about, man, in Daniel, Daniel prays and this angel of the Lord is delayed from getting to Daniel because of demonic activity. It's, it's just like some real stuff. So just because you cry out to Jesus, man, let me tell you something. There, there's action happening. Spiritual action, you can't see it, you can't taste it, you can't feel it, you know, but, but, it, but, it, but it's real. Uh, lesson number three uh, is don't be a quitter, okay? Don't be a quitter. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he, that's Bartimaeus, only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. This is super impressive. 
This guy didn't give up. He's so desperate for Jesus, he doesn't care who's telling him to shut up and be quiet. He didn't care. I mean, that was a whole sideshow going on on the side of the road. Here comes Jesus, and here are all these people saying, be quiet, shut up, he's busy, you know? I have no doubt that if the guy shouting would have been the mayor or the governor or the senator or the rich businessman, nobody would have gotten his face. But they are in front of this guy's face. They're telling this low life, smelly, disheveled person to just be quiet. He's on a mission. And by the way, Jesus was on a mission. He was on a mission to save the world. Think this through. He's on a mission to save the world. It's the greatest mission ever. I love what Paul says in 2 Thessalonians. He says, brothers and sisters, don't get discouraged in doing what is right. And the reason why he says it is because it can get discouraging, can it? It just can. I know. I know I get discouraged. And when you're calling out to Jesus, when you're talking to Jesus, when you're crying out to him and there are forces against you and it just seems like, let me tell you something, it's easy to quit. That's a good thing to do and that's, that's easy to get discouraged and then you quit. And yet here we have our brother Paul saying, no, look, I get it. You're gonna get discouraged. I get it, man. But don't quit. Don't quit. He's worth whatever energy, juice, whatever it takes to, to, to get to him. And he just cried out louder. <laughs> then you get to the last one I'll give you, lesson number four. Jesus will always stop and listen when you cry out to him. When Jesus heard him, he stopped. And he said, tell him to come here. He's on a mission to save the world. He's already said, I'm going to the cross. He's on a mission to save you and me. And he stops for a crummy blind guy. He's not stopping for the president. He's not stopping for the governor. He's not stopping for a senator. He's not stopping for a congressman. He's not stopping for a mayor or a city council member. He's not stopping for a guy like Bill Gates or Elon Musk. He's stopping for a blind guy. One blind guy. I can make a whole, I could do a whole series just on that thought alone. Don't ever tell me, uh, God doesn't listen to me. I'm not important. He, I, he listens to you, Rick. You're a pastor. Yeah, he listens to me. Well, yeah, he'll listen to Lonnie. I mean, you know, Lonnie's been in ministry forever. Yeah, he'll listen to Lonnie. Uh, Rick Thompson, obviously Rick Thompson is a godly guy. 
Come listen to me. Ah! Oh! There's a couple of elders sitting in here. They'll listen to the elders. But I want you to know something. This story tells you a truth. He'll listen to you. God doesn't, there's no favoritism with God. He doesn't look down at me and go, well, you know what, that guy's really, you know, busting his hump for me. I'm going to really listen to that guy. Eh, you? Eh, you're out. <laughs> you know, don't really got time. I'll get, I'll get back to you. Leave a, leave a message. No. Do, you, do, do you see this in this story? The second person of the Holy Trinity has stopped for one of the lowest, maybe the lowest person there was. A blind guy. Let me tell you something. When you cry out to God and say, God, help me, that's a prayer he'll always answer. He'll always stop. This text goes on, and so he called the blind man, cheer up. They said, come on over, he's calling you. And Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, imagine this, jumped up and came to Jesus. Wow. Hey, this, Bartimaeus couldn't get any of us in this room to talk to him. And yet he's got... The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the Bright and Morning Star. Stopped. And then he says, What do you want me to do for you? This is beautiful. This is really a beautiful moment. And I love his response. You know, a lot of times I, I think people think when you go to Jesus, you, you got to get all spiritual. Lord! Could you help me understand the great Ten Commandments? I'm having trouble with number five, how to honor my father and thy mother. Or Lord, please help me with my eschatology that I might have a better understanding of how it all ends. <laughs> Lord, these aren't working. Can you fix these? Gotta love this guy's honesty. No, hey, I heard the rabbis, you know, I was sitting on the outside of the, the temple and they were talking about, you know, whatever. And I was just, can you give me some clarity? Because I know you'll answer that prayer. I'm asking clarity on a spiritual issue. I think God likes to talk about spiritual things. I mean, I think he knows a few things. <laughs> but you know what? It's okay to just talk with him about whatever. This guy had a problem. His eyes didn't work. And he says, hey, hey look, man, these things ain't working. Can you fix them? It's Unbelievable. What do you want me to do for you? I, I think, if I could have some fun as we end this thing, is this. What do you want Jesus to do for you? What do you need him to do? 
What do you need? If he were to ask you, what do you need? You, 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 you know, help with your marriage? You ever cried out to him and said, man, something's gone haywire. I don't think she loves me anymore. I don't think he loves me anymore. Got a help crisis? Oh, God, they got it found a lump somewhere. There's not supposed to be a lump. Oh, God. I was talking, I was on the phone today with one of our members who, who um, was just diagnosed with cancer. Cancer in his nose. He's scared. We just, guess what we did on the phone? We just did what Bartimaeus did. We just cried out to the Lord. That's all we did. How about help with your finances? How about help with your business? How about with your family? Some of you have a dad who's gone sideways, right? Or a mom who's just gone sideways. Or maybe your teenage son's gone sideways. Maybe it's just help with your education. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Some of you I do know. But mostly I don't know. I don't know. I've got all these thousands of people watching online. I, I don't know. I don't know. But I wonder what you would say if he stopped and said, what do you need? So this is what I want you to do. If you're physically able, would you just get on your knees right now? Just want you to get on. If you're physically able, if you're not, you can sit in your chair. And this is a moment where you're not praying with your spouse or whatever. This is just a moment where I want you to maybe imagine you hear the very words that Bartimaeus heard from Jesus. What, 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 do you, what do you want me to do? What do you need? What's going on in your life? What can I do for you? Just quietly talk to him. He stopped and he's listening to you right now. So tell him, what, what do you need? Why don't you uh, stand up? We're going to end with a chorus, but while you're standing, let me just say, I, I don't know how it ends for you. We know how it ended for Bartimaeus. God did exactly what Bartimaeus asked for. That may happen to you. Maybe happen to you right now. Maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week. I don't know. Maybe it won't. I, I don't know what the sovereign Lord will do. But what you just did, I would do often. There's something powerful in that.